Danny. No, thank you. Let's go. Good We're uh, by Joe Tobias tonight, Glow and Gloria. I want to thank them for opening the house and allowing us to share some of the Torah. So thank you, Joe. By the way, this is the first time I was in your house, Joe. My son has been in your house every day, but this is the first time I was in your house. But, uh, <laughs> Don't be a stranger. So it's for a good reason. It's good for a good reason. You finally let me in the house. <laughs> Make sure you record that. That's on the recording, baby. <laughs> Posterity. <laughs> okay. How are we going to start? Where are we going to start? Okay. So, by the way, you should know, for the next four or five weeks, this is when the rabbis earn their salary. Because to be able to talk about parashat, you know, of, of the, yes, to be keep you engaged in the parashat about construction yeah. of the Mishkan, where it's all the blueprints right. and sizes and, uh, you know, details of details, is not an easy job. Yeah. So, uh, the Minorah, no, tonight, not, not, actually not going to talk about the Minorah at all tonight. Wow. But we're going to start with something very interesting. I want to point out something. Do you want to read a few Pesukim? I want you to tell me if you notice something different. So, when we talk in the beginning of the parashat about the Aron, it says like this. Pasuk starts, here we go. Ve'asu Aron ase shitim, amataim v'chetzi orko, ama v'chetzi rohbo, ama v'chetzi komato. So the Aron is going to be made out of shitim wood. It's a one and a half, a two and a half high, one and a half wide, one and a half uh, tall. Okay? So it's a it's a rectangle, but notice that all the sizes have half measurements. Amataim v'chetzi, ama v'chetzi, and ama v'chetzi. All have measurements attached to it. Look at the Shulchan. When we have the Shulchan, Shulchan says, that's the Aron, Kiruvim, Kaporet. Here we go. Yeah. Asita Shulchan at Seshitim. Listen to the measurements. Amataim Orko, Amarochbo, Amavachetzi Komato. Two of the measurements are complete, and one of them is a Hefsi. Good? Listen to the Mizbeach. Mizbeach says like this. Kedesh, Kedesh, Selamishkan. Let's get to the Mizbeach. Ve'asita da Mizbeach, ase shitim. Hamesh amot orech, hamesh amot rohav, rabua yihyeh. Vishalosh Amot Komato, 553, all full measurements. So again, the Aron is all half measurements. Two, two and a half, one and a half, one and a half. Shulchan is a mix. Some of the measurements are complete size, some of them are halves. The Aron and the Mizbech, all full, all full. That's it. What's that about? Let's do this. Amazing, amazing thought. The Kliyakas is like this. Each one of the utensils represents something else. The Aron is representation of. Torah, what's inside the Aron? The Luchot Abrit, inside the Luchot, inside, right? It's inside the Torah. And therefore, the representation of the Aron, the idea of the Aron is Torah. The Torah is in this world, and therefore the measurements of the Aron are incomplete. Because you can never reach completion in your Avodah of Hashem. You can never reach Torah. You can't learn it all. It's impossible. No matter how much you learn and how much you grow, there's always more to learn. The more you learn, the more you realize that. The, that you, how little you know that's really the truth mm-hmm. like anything else right when you're ignorant you think you know everything right. and then you start to learn something and you oh my god I didn't know that mm-hmm. and then you know oh wow I didn't know that and now I have more information so, wow I didn't even know that and I don't know 
So that's how it's supposed to be with Torah. It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that you can never reach the apex. Because once you reach the top, then there's nowhere to go. And there is no top for Torah. It's unlimited. The Torah is... And therefore, always striving to grow. Always striving. So therefore, measurements, half seas. Never full. When it comes to the Shulchan, what does the Shulchan represent? Look in front of you. The Shulchan is this world. It's all the material things of this world. It's the food that I need to survive. That's what's on the Shulchan. What's on the Shulchan of Beit HaMikdash? Bread. Right? So that represents my, my material uh, you know, desires in this world, my, my, my needs in this world. And this one has a mix of some things that are full and some things that are... That are what's that about? So Kliyakar says something fantastic. Literally says. There's two types of uh, assets in this world. There's assets that you have and there's assets that you want. The ones that you have, you need to look at like you're satisfied. You're full measure. I have, I'm happy. I got what I have. The ones that you want, you can't have unlimited desires. Unlimited desires you'll never get. You'll never complete all your desires if your desires are unlimited. And therefore, you have to sort of hold back on them. They have to be half measurements of desire. You can want and you can strive for, but you can't be full on, I must have that. So I want to be satisfied with what I have. And I still want to have, right, some desires, but not full, complete desire. Because without any desire, no one has drive. You're never going to want to do anything, right? So you got to have some desire to, to strive, to continue to grow, to want more, to, to, to accumulate some things. But it can't be full. It has to be partial. And for the Shulchan is a mix. The assets I have... I want to be satisfied completely. I feel complete with those. The ones that I want, incomplete. Okay. Great. What does the Mizbech represent? When do you need a Mizbech? Oh, why do I need to bring a sacrifice? To get closer to ah, I messed up. Uh, I made a mistake. I need, to, I need to fix that mistake that I've got. I'm going to bring a Korban because I made a mistake. Right? So I want to bring a Korban. I want to fix the relationship that I've messed up with God. Now, a lot of times... Some things are irreparable. Some, some, some mistakes you can't undo. Some, some, you, some, some relationships can be damaged so far that just, it's, especially in human relationships, it's very, hard, it's very hard to get back to trust that was broken. It's very difficult to get back. Extremely difficult to get back. Sometimes it's impossible to get back. With Hashem, it's the exact opposite. The Mizbeach is all complete measurements because you can make complete Teshuvah. God will wipe away everything. Like and not only that, it could be that it never even happened because the Quran says in a place that people ba'alei teshuvah, right, come to makes comes to me, they, they they are higher level than the person who never even sinned. So repairing a relationship with God to completion is absolutely possible. Not only possible, it, that's what happens. So bringing the korban on the mizbeach, all the measurements need to be complete. Why? Because that's the place that, that's going to repair the relationships to full back to the way it used to be. So each one of the each one of the measurements says the kliyakar is representation of what this item in the world is supposed to be doing. So we look at it. When I think about my Torah, yeah, I'm definitely lacking in Torah. I need to continue all the measurements of the Arona Hefsis. My, my my material world, yeah, okay, very nice. I have the great things. I'm very happy with what I have. You want some? Yeah, you want some, but not too much. Uh, when it comes to my relationships, I can repair relationships with God. Relationship with man is a little bit harder to deal with. You have to, we have to be very careful with those kind of relationships. Right? But when it comes to Hashem, if you're sincere and you're serious and you really mean it, God will take Teshuvah at any point in time. Very easy to make Teshuvah. Beautiful. Nice shot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Let's talk about a minute about some of the things that we have to collect over here. If you notice something really very interesting, 
The first uh, drive in history is in this week's parasha. First, right? It's the first drive. That's what it is, right? And it was very, very successful. It was so successful. Moshe had to sell the Hajjah. We have too much. You're never going to see that. Right? You're never going to see that drive. The answer is, no, no, no. We don't need it. We're good. We don't need, we don't need more. No, 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 no. Right? Yeah. <laughs> first drive in history. If you want to listen to this, amazing, right? Hashem tells Ben Yisrael, V'yichuli terumah. I'm not going to talk about that right now. We'll save that for Shabbat. But Yechuli Teruma, Me'ed Kol Isha Shedven Libo, whoever wants to, was willing to give, take a donation. What are you taking? Starts to list all these things. Zahav, Techelet. By the way, did you notice what the drive is for? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. If he tells you what to collect, collect gold and silver, Techelet, Argaman, all these things, by the way, let me tell you what it's for. Ve'asuli Mikdash. I want to build a mikdash. Let me ask you a question. Guy comes to shul. They're going to come to Shabbat. Drives. And they give blank cards with numbers. And no speech. I'm going to hand out the cards. And we start collecting money. Without telling you what it's for. After you pay, after you donate, then we'll tell you what it's for. Does that make any sense? Why is God putting this? It's backwards. Tell me you want to build a bit of mikdash. Tell me you want to build a mishkan. Tell me you want to build and you want it to be beautiful. Tell me what it's for. And we're going to bounce. No problem. It's a great idea. I love the Mishkan. Great idea. Yo, God wants to dwell among us. That's great. Fantastic. We'll give. No problem. No, no. Backwards. Why? Why would Hashem do that? Why would He say, first give me, tell me what to give, and I'll tell you what it's for later. Give of your heart. So listen. Huh? What's the... When, when were they instructed to build the Mishkan? When were they instructed, when were they instructed to build the Mishkan? Uh, when after, they're in the desert. After what? After they uh, got the Torah. After they got Torah, yeah, that was last week. The Torah was two weeks ago. Mishpatim. Right, yeah. So the Mishkan actually, even though we didn't read it yet, it's in another week or two. Well, two weeks? No, the Mishkan was after Cheta Egel. Ah. It was. It was the sort of kapara for Cheta Egel. Hashem, the base sinned. Okay, and now. Then you guys want Abu no, Hashem says, Don't worry, I'm not dishing you, I'm not kishing totally. We'll build this Mishkan, I'll dwell still among you. It's the Kapara for Cheta Egel was the part was the Mishkan. Echeta Egel, B'nai Israel said, what? We'll do first, right? And then we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll learn the laws later. Right. right? So Hashem is testing them now. We're gonna make Teshuvah. How much do you think you need? So to listen, yeah, listen to the Rashi. Rashi first over here in, in this uh, Asuli in the beginning of the parasha. It says Ve'yikhuli, Ve'yikhuli Terumah. Rashi says Li Lishmi, take it for me. And what's the what's the donation for? They knock on the door. They come. Moshe Rabbeinu, we're collecting for the. What's it for? It's Fashem. What for? Fashem. Okay, give me this. Give me this. Give me this. They're giving. They're giving. They're giving. Do they know what it's for? They don't know what it's for. It's a continuation of Naseh and Ishma. First, right. do what Hashem wants. It's kapara. Do what Hashem wants. Right? And then, Listen. we'll tell you what it's for. Right. So I says, you do it for me. Now, how am I supposed to know if someone's giving it Lishma? If Hashem first tells you what it's for. Right. So maybe you think it's a good idea. Right. I'm not doing it because God wants. I'm doing it because I think it's a good idea. It's great that Hashem should live among us. I like to have this idea that I can come and visit God in the Mishkan whenever I want. And I can bring Quran. I like that idea. Yeah, I'll give to that. No, no. That's not how we need to make kapara for cheta egel, and therefore give, give what for what? Because I said, Li, do it for me. Says Hashem. God does do it for me. Do it for me because I said. Oh yeah. Okay. You said. Okay. We're gonna give. And you see that what they did? They they made plans because they give so much that they have to stop. 
And after that, he says, by the way, this is what it's for. We're going to build this Mishkan. And therefore, yeah, that's the reason Hashem did it on purpose. He's testing the people. Are you really making the Shuvah V'cheta Egel? You're doing it because I said? Or are you doing it because you want to do it? Which one is it? So we see clearly, what? Blind faith. Blind faith. That's what Hashem wants from us, by the way. That's really what Hashem wants. He wants you to buy in. When you buy in, if you bought, if you're in, he's got you back 100%. But you got to buy in first. That's how it works. Right? You jump in, I'll take care of the rest. And that's what he's that's what he's asking for. He was asking for them to, to buy in, and they did. They did in a tremendous manner. First you got to, and, then, and then you can learn why we do something. Exactly. Right. Listen, first say you're in. Like we say, um, we say, uh, There's nobody like our God. And what's the next line? Me. Me Elohim. Who's like God? What do you mean, time out. You just told me there's nobody like God. What do you mean? Who's me? What do you mean? Why, why are you asking questions? You said no. Oh, you know why? Because after you already admit that there's nobody, now you're allowed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Now you can ask, what is God like? What is God? That's what he said. is the statement. I accept God completely. I'm in. I bought in. I'm done. I'm good. Now, oh, you're in? Okay, then you're allowed to ask questions. Otherwise, if you're asking me, Kelohenu, you're not accepting God. You're investigating. Is there really God? No, that you can't ask. God's in. En He's nobody else. Now you're, you're bought in? Fadal. Ask me whatever you want to ask. No problem. Same idea, right? Mm-hmm. You got to jump in first. Good. So one of the things that, uh, let's see, we'll do that piece, we'll give you this piece, I don't know. Okay, we'll do. Okay. Erot elim me'odamim ve'orot tahashim shitim. Right, along the list of things, that uh, shopping list that Moshe Rabbeinu was given to collect from Bnei Israel, something called orot tahashim. What is orot tahashim? Orot, first of all, is skins. So orot elim is rams, ram skin, odamim dyed red, and orot tahashim, skins of some kind of animal called a tahash. What's a tahash? So first Rashi says min haya was an animal. Velo haita ella It only existed in the midbar. It was a it's extinct. It was only there for this purpose for its skin. Now why is it so important? Harbe givanim hayula. This animal's skin was multicolored. It was a multicolored skin. Some animals that we have, animals have, I don't know, zebras. Zebra, zebras zebra, have two yeah. colors, yeah, but yeah. I know, or, or leopard has spots or whatever. This one is like rainbows, like multicolors, many colors, right? Okay? Multicolored skin, Hayula. Lekach miturgam, the translation, Aramaic translation of the word tahash, sasgona. What does sasgona mean? Shesas umitpaer begvanin shelo. Sas means happy. Gvan means color. So it's happy with its colors. So Nashi that that we call this animal the tahash. He says it was a once off. If you look in the gvana, the gvana says, listen to what it says. Tahash biyeme Moshe biriya bifne atzma. It was a special creation. Velo hichriu b'chachamim imin haya imin behema. They're not sure if it's a domesticated animal or a non-domesticated. Vehu, you ready for this? Sit down. Buckle up your chair. Buckle your seatbelt. Vehu keren achat hayalo b'mitzho. Lefi sha'an is damen l'moshe sha'asham imenu mishkan v'nignaz. What does that mean? Keren achat hayalo b'mitzho. It had one horn on its head. It was a unicorn. See, when I says that this tahash is a unicorn, so this fairy tale animal that's treated like this unicorn was the tahash. It was. There was. There was. It existed in the midbar. It was the skin that they used to cover the tent 
of the uh, of the Mishkan, and it was extinct after that. It was only for the pur- for that purpose. Its skin was multicolored. Now, why do I need that skin for the Mishkan? What's so important about a multicolored skin? The Gemara says that the multicolored skin for the Tachash was the part that covered the Kodesh Hakodashim of the Mishkan. The Mishkan has two parts: as the Kodesh Kodesh Kodashim. The red the red skins covered the Kodesh, and the 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 multicolored skin covered the Kodesh Kodashim. So, Bnei Israel in the in the Bidbar, in the desert were divided into tribes. The way they camped around the, the Mishkan was by tribe. Every tribe was on different three tribes on every section on every side of the Mishkan. They traveled with tribes. Every tribe had their own flag. Every tribe was representative of their own. They had their own, uh, you know, nasi, their own president, their own leader, and so you know the flags. There's, a, there's actually a halacha. That a shul, I should take check better. I wonder. Shul should have twelve shul, twelve windows, yeah. right? It's one of the halachot. Stam, but should have twelve windows. Mm-hmm. Again, representative of the twelve tribes, because Bnei Israel are not Only meant 12? twelve. Should have twelve. It's, uh, yeah, at least twelve. Uh, uh, should have twelve. It's, it's, it's supposed to have twelve. It's one of the Should have twelve. Yeah. Twelve. Twelve windows. Usually that's it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Those those, those ones There's on more top. Than more than twelve. Way more than twelve. Okay. Why does that one big one count as one? Or does it count as uh, the, the one? Which one? The, the one big one. I'm, I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about the ones in the main tank. Those, no, the, 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 those, those ones that look like uh, you know the circles in the main tank. Like, I don't know how many they are. The one in the small. Uh, small. Room on the second floor. Oh. There's so many windows. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah there's a lot of windows. Yeah. Anyway, why twelve? Because of the twelve shot, twelve shot team. Bnei Israel were not meant to be um, one uh, uniform. Uh, you know, uh, one leader follow all everybody be the same. That's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have differences. We have every shevet that had their own thing. Every every tribe was was specialized specialized in certain things. Everyone had their weaknesses. Everyone had their strengths. And by combining all the strengths together, we make Am Yisrael. So even though we are one nation, but we're not all exactly the same. We were never meant to be the same. That's why uniformity is not is not such a great thing. When it comes to to Judaism, you have everybody trying to be the same, dress the same, look the same, act the same. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Why were there twelve tribes? Yeah. For what reason? Why? Because no, because because God likes the fact that we're not all the same, but we are all one family. Nobody in the family is the same. Every human on earth looks different, but we're all humans. Everyone in my family looks different, but we're all still part of family. So God wants them to be that way because everyone has their way to the connection to God as a different path. Everyone's got their own path to make to get there. Some people need to do it in this manner. Some people do that. Everyone's got their own way to do it. Some guys do it through learning, and some guys do it through prayer, and some guys do it through charity. Some guys do it. Through, everyone's got their own way to to blaze their own path to connect to God, and that's the way it should be. Because if we're all on the same path, then why would God create tribes? No, in the midbar, why would they, why were they different? Why they have different flags? The Kodesh HaKodashim, the place where the Holy of Holy is, where every human, every Jew needs to connect to God, has to be multicolored. It has to be the place where every color works, where every person can connect. It can't be one color. It can't be, this is the only way to get to God. It can't be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Because then people can't relate. What about the guy that doesn't have that? Oh, I can't relate that way, so I, I can't connect to God. No. It has to be multicolored. It has to be a place where, that welcomes everybody. Doesn't matter who you are, what family you came from. This is the place. 
everybody can come. And therefore, the skin had to be multicolored. It had to be something that represents all of the nations, all the different flags of Am Yisrael, or each one was a different color, just the 12 tribes. No, that has to be the colors of the Beit HaMikdash, where the, where the Kodesh Kodeshim has to be. You know, they weren't even allowed there. So mind the Kohen. They weren't allowed, but they see it from the outside. No, no, it's, you see it from the outside. It's the skin. Remember, the tent, the, the Mishkan was, was, was not, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was um, the roof was a tent. The walls were made out of wood plated gold, gold plated, wood inside gold plated, and then it had a skin tent on top. And they could see that from wherever you are, you could see the colors. So the skin on top is the roof. They needed to be, uh, they needed to be good. So the, the, everything has to be the same. The yeah. Roof? Say again, the, the outer, outer roof. roof? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's the skin on top of the, the boards right. of walls, yeah, yeah. and then they drape over the sides and they peg, they put uh, spikes into the ground, and then that's the skin mm. of the Mishkan. Yeah. Okay, so that's the Orot Elim Odamim, that's the Orot Tehashim. Great, very nice. The difference is, the, uh, you know, so there's another, there's another, uh, another explanation about the colors. They say that, um, that it needs to be in any um, feelings that I have, I need to realize that I still need to connect to Hashem. So sometimes I'm angry, I'm red. Sometimes I'm feeling depressed, I'm blue. Sometimes I'm, uh, you know, I'm not feeling so well. I'm, I'm pale. I'm yellow. And sometimes, I, whatever color you're at, whatever stage you're at, wherever you are, you need to not can't forget that you need to connect to Hashem. Hashem is always going to be there. He's the one that puts you in that position. He's still pushing you. He's still there with you, no matter what color you are. God's there still. He's still there with you. He's watching you. And therefore, the 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 the, the, the that's representative of God. That is the what, what? No matter what color I am, so even when I don't feel so great, God's there. When I feel fantastic, I'm flying, God's there. When I'm not so well, no matter what station, wherever you are, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever feelings you're having, Hashem is always there with you. Okay. Orote Hashim. Good. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Yeah. I made some notes. Let me see if I can. It would be good if I could read them, right? <coughs> yeah. So we talk about Asuli Mikdash Veshachanti Betocham. That our houses, Hashem wants to dwell in our house. Right? And uh, the question is, are we, uh, are we allowing... Uh, that's a very nice bottle, by the way. I don't know what that is, but like, it looks pretty. I never saw it before. I never saw a pink label on the Balvenie bottle. I don't know what that is, but okay. I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah? Okay, it looks nice. So... The uh, the the question about about shachati betocham, right? Hashem says I'm going to dwell among them. Asuli mikdash. You have to make your house, you know, the place where Hashem wants to come hang out. You know, you want to invite Hashem into your house, all right? The house is a place where the husband and wife, when they're together, the shechina is there. So we're all on the same page. And then then Hashem can come dwell with them. You want to make yourself, your house, a place that's inviting for Hashem to join. Because when Hashem is there, the Berachah is there. No, without Hashem, not going to have a So that's the question for ourselves. How, how are we going to do that? You know, we're making sure that there's the right things in our house, Places. the right speech in our house, the right, the, the right talking is going on in the house, the right behavior is going on in our house. Right? So it's something that we all need to work on, for sure. You should have right? invited the wives. You know, we should have invited the wives. The wives are invited to come. There's no problem with that. <laughs> But when, when, when the right things are going on, so then Hashem says, okay, this is the place I want to hang out. I want to, I want to go to a place where, you know, where I belong, right? And, and, uh, it's not only in shul. You don't want it only in shul. Your house also has to be in Makom Torah. 
You have to learn Torah in your house a little bit every time, every day, at least a little bit, a few minutes, a minute, a few minutes, morning, in the afternoon, a little bit of Torah in the house. Yeah, the, the Torah, the, the walls of the house need to hear Torah because it bounces off the walls, it goes into the kids' heads. Mm-hmm. When the kids see you learning Torah, it changes your whole life. So a little bit, a little bit, doesn't have to be hours. A few minutes, you open the parasha book, there should be books around. Should have a little, you know, and not on the shelf. Now, when my grandfather, Allah, passed away, so I went to the I went to, to the house and uh, I went with my cousin. We're gonna divide the library. We're gonna pick the books. So I went to the shelf. I took all the books that were broken mm-hmm. and bent, and and my cousin took all the ones that looked closed and beautiful and new. <laughs> so I said I said I don't want the new ones. I want the ones that he used. Right. I want the ones that he opened and the ones that and I and I got very lucky because the ones that I opened and I opened them and there's notes inside. Mm-hmm. And so my grandfather was here, and he's, he learned this, and he left notes, and he wrote things inside. So, for, for the, so you, and that has an impact on you when you see mm-hmm. that the next generation or your previous generations were, were already learning and doing it. That affects you, that you want your children to see that. You need to see the books on the table that messed open with the bookmark, with the paint, with the thing sticking out, with the thug, the that. Because then they say, oh, even if they don't see you learning, they saw you using it. It's going to make a huge impact on their lives. You want to be because that's 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 what's about. At the end of the day, the only way that we're still Jewish is because we learn Torah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what are we? We're just uh, somebody else in the street, like anybody else. The Torah makes us different from the rest of the world. And if if we chash v'shalom don't pass that to the next generation, so then the link is broken. It's over, right? And that's not what we want to see. So we want to the kids. In order for the kids to, to influence, they have to see you do. They have to see you doing. They have to see you learning. They have to see you talking and divrei Torah and, and be excited to hear Torah and whatever it is involved in Jewish life is is what the kids need to see you do. However, that's going to happen. That's going to bring the shechinah into your house. Shachanti betocham. We want to be able to have them excited about it. It's a very hard. Especially now, the kids are so apathetic. They're like. It's very hard. I was telling this year I'm teaching in Barkai. It's ninth graders. The kids are just not excited to learn Torah. You know? For me, and I remember back, I, okay, I was a kid also. I wasn't excited either. So I'm trying to light the fire. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to light the fire. In this generation, the kids are so distracted. Yeah. It's so distraction. Yeah. So, many, so many things. Right? It's just very hard to get them to think that the Torah is important. And, and if, especially if they're coming from a house where it's not. They're not seeing their parents get it, so that job job is doubly hard. Like it's or like, why are you even telling? Because oh, my dad doesn't do this. Why should I? Why should you I, were in Barkai. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. Think those kids no, yeah, because, because because yeah, it's the first year, so not all the kids are Barkai, and I have the I have to have the class that's the not Barkai kids, yeah. right? So it, it's the weaker kids. It's the kids that didn't come through Barkai, and and it's not an easy task to light that fire, to light that flame. To get them excited about learning Torah, that it's about why the Torah isn't even important to learn, it's not an easy job. So as a parent, I, I, I can't stress enough to other parents that, that if you're not doing this in your house, you better figure out a way to start doing it now. When the kids are little, let them see it. The young, you're still young enough, let them understand that this is important to daddy. If it's important to daddy, even though right now they're still kids and they're going to run one day they're going to get old enough and they're going to realize, oh, wow, when I take that book off the shelf and they're going to see the notes inside, they're going to see my father was here, it's going to, it's going to twist in a minute. It's going to get lit. The fire's going to turn into a burning flame. 
It's going to make a difference in their lives. It's going to make a difference for you and your grandchildren and your grandchildren. So, you, you know, you're planting seeds for the future. It's not just a, just generation. You have to realize also that you know, you, whatever you're putting in your kids is going to end up in the grandkids. And whatever you're not putting there is not going to get there. So you, if, you know, if, you know, if you want to pass along, you better start. It won't work. Yeah. Okay, too much preaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's true. That's no, very true. Okay. Yeah, very true. It is very true. But, uh, it's just hard to remember sometimes. You know, you're busy, you come home, you're busy, you're tired, a million things going on in your mind, you're trying to, to balance the checkbook and balance the, the life and balance the that. Uh, and then also you got to come home and this stuff. So, yeah, it, it's true. It's very hard. But if you don't make that little carve out, it's never going to get off. If you don't give it, you know, the, 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 the attention it deserves. So it's very hard. But it's just something we need to remember. We need to remember. Okay. I wish someone gave me that speech a long time ago. <laughs> All right. What else are we talking about? What time is it? Okay, we're good. I have a few more minutes still. Uh, let me say that. We'll do that. We'll do this one. You can talk. Don't be afraid. You know, like the, the recording. Huh? <laughs> What's the matter? You afraid to talk on the recording? No, it's peer pressure. Okay, peer pressure. I, I forgot about the recording. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Believe me, I got so used to it. I know exactly when to turn it off. When I say something, I just... <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank God. I, uh, I haven't made that mistake yet, but I, I, guys were, some of the guys who recorded, they tell me, you don't understand what I did. I said this on the recording. I got turned off. Baruch Hashem, I hope I didn't make that mistake yet. Okay, there's a very interesting... Um, very interesting... Um, in the beginning of the parasha, listen to this. This is the tiruma, right? That I want you to take from them. Zahav, vachesef, unchoshet. Okay, look at the word zahav, vachesef, unchoshet. Gold and silver and copper. Says the Balaturim. If you look at these three words, these three words, each letter represents. Something in one of the days of the year that we actually read Torah. Listen to this. Every day of the year that we read Torah, which is, he did the math, 248 days a year we read Sefer Torah. You can do the math yourself, right? because it's three times a week at least minimum. Right? One, two, three. Three times a week, because between Monday, Thursday, Shabbat, plus Shabbat, Minhaz, that's four times a week. Right? Times 52 weeks is already 200. It comes out 248 altogether with the holidays. Good. So here we go. Right. So, right. Plus holidays. So, Zion from Zahav. Zion. That's Shabbat. Seventh day of the week. Hey from Zahav. Zahav. Hey. Thursday. Bet. That's Tuesday. That's Monday. That's the second day of the week. Monday. So, Zahav is read Torah. Shabbat. Read Torah. Thursday. Read Shabbat. Monday. Good. Nechoshet. What's Nechoshet? I'm sorry. I said Chesef first. Chesef. So Chesef is, the Chaf is Kippur, the Samech is Sukkot, the Pei is Pesach. Nechoshet, right? Nechoshet is, I wrote it down, I can't see. I can't, my, 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 my uh, no, yeah, right, Ner for Chanukah, thank you. The Nun is for Ner, is for Chanukah, the Chet is for Rosh Chodesh, that's Chodesh, and the Shin is Shavuot. And the taf is ta'anit, first days. All the, all the days that we read Tefer Torah, on what are they compared to in this? Zahav, Kesef, and Nechoshet. It's the, the most precious stones, the most precious things in the Torah, in the world, 
are the representations of our Torah. Torah, by the way, the word Terumah is made up of the word Torah, Mem. Terumah, Torah, Mem. What's Torah, Mem? 40 days. After 40 days, we got the Torah. Right? 40 days we got the Torah. And then it's Zahav, Achesav, and Nechoshe. We're going to read the Torah on these days of the year. So, take for me, Terumah, what? The Torah? When are you going to take the Torah? Terumah, Terumah, when? Zahav, Achesav, and Nechoshe. On these days, the days of these holiday days that we read Torahs, the Mondays and Thursdays. And, and uh, the, the obligation of, of the Torah reading, by the way, during the week is not an obligation on an individual. If you ever miss the Torah reading during the week, so the obligation is on the tzibur, it's on the public. So if there's a communal Torah reading, you don't have an obligation to make it up. Right? Let's say you're traveling one day, I missed the Torah. Or, uh, right? Uh, whatever the story was, I wouldn't feel good, I didn't go to shul, or whatever you want to say. So you don't have an obligation to make it up. As long as the community, the tzibur, is reading Torah in those days, you'd say you're the chobah being part of the tzibur, but you have to be part of the tzibur. It's the guy who never goes to shul. So that's the different ballgame. Now you're not part of the tzibur, right? You have to be part of the, uh, to be able to be yotzeh with the tzibur, you have to be counted as part of the tzibur. Mm-hmm. So, okay, for the guy who's just missing one day, so he's part of the tzibur. He's, come away. he's traveling today, he had an appointment today, but he's a, he's a regular. I know where, if you know where the guy sits in shul, he's going to be yotzeh. If you know a guy, and where does he sit? He doesn't have a seat, he doesn't know where he is. So, uh, so that guy, guy who, you know, better get, you better start looking for some real estate, you know? You got to find yourself a seat, you got to find yourself a spot. When people know where you are, that means you're present. If you're present, so you have a chance. In this in this community, in this world where we live in now, if you're a guy that if you're not connected to the world, to the Torah in this world, I feel bad for you. You don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. The world is so far off the path of the Torah. Right? If you look at the word the Torah, by the way, Torah Tirumah, also the mem of the Torah, the mem is a box. It's squared. Right? It has boundaries. The Torah is made up of boundaries. Right? That by any anything that has value, think about this for a minute. Anything that has value that we subscribe value to has to have boundaries. Something that's unlimited has no value. Mm-hmm. Right? Why is something value value because because there's it's a limited quantity? Why is it fun to I don't know just as an example to uh, to play uh, basketball because there's rules. You, if you go out of bounds, so no, you can't do that. You, you, you have to bounce the ball. You can't run. You, right? If the guys just do whatever you want and run whatever you want, so that, that's not a game. It's not fun. Well, any sport is fun because there's rules. Uh, it gives value. The rules create value. They create interest. They create the Torah gives the the boundaries for this world for this life is the boundaries of the Torah for us. So Torah because life has meaning now because there's boundaries. When there's no boundaries, so what does life mean? Anything it has no meaning. We're living in a world right now, outside of the Torah, is no boundaries. There's no boundaries about anything. You can think what you want, you can say what you want, you can act like you want, you can identify as you want, you can be anything you want, and no one can tell you anything. That's the world we live in right now, which is a Torah, that's a, the world that is 100% opposite of the Torah. The Torah is giving boundaries because life is supposed to have meaning. In order for it to have meaning, it has to have limitations. There are th- some things that you can't do. Right, to, when you want to have a relationship with somebody, the proper relationship has to have boundaries. Oh, you want to be married to me? Then you can't be with that person. You can't do that. You want to have? Then you can't do this. It gives meaning to everything. Without boundaries, there's no meaning. Nothing has any value when there's no boundaries. Shabbat, Shabbat is putting boundaries on right on your actions, on your life, on that, absolutely. Right, things that have that have limitations. Have value, right? What the most valuable, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, natural resources, the ones that are most limited. More limited it is, the more expensive it is. The most abundant natural resource is free. It's air. Mm-hmm. 
It's everywhere. It doesn't cost anything. But you want some kind of, uh, you know, well, go pick one of these things that have to be mined and they cost, you know, millions of dollars just to get to it, to get this little amount. Expensive. Why? Because it's limited in quantity. Why? Because there's boundaries. When there's limitations, there's value. No limitations, no value. So we, the Torah is our blueprint to give value to our life. And if you're not living with Torah, so then you're living in Hifkir. The world is Hifkir now. Right now, total Hifkir. So anyone who's not connected and doesn't have a seat in shoe and doesn't know where he sits when he comes to shoe, he's got to look around, is unplugged. If you're unplugged, the next generation, your kids are in big trouble. Mamash, they're in big trouble. Because you yourself are not connected. What do you think is going to happen to them? They're going to be like everyone else in the world is now today. So even though you maybe you were still that bridge gap in between your father that was connected and now so you're still a little bit, you come once in a while, you're around here and there. Okay, but if your kids are not seeing you get involved and not seeing that this is important, so then where where are they? They're already on the guy who's uh, doing the, you know, whatever. Off the limits, out of limits, out of bounds, off the, off the charts. That's not where you want to be. It's not where we want to be. For sure, not where our attention is for our parents. And if we want to be part of Am Yisrael, you need to show up. So you got to come to class, you got to come to shul. Not every day, if you can't come every day, but you got to come. You have to have a spot. You have to know where you go. When you walk in, where's my seat? Have a routine. Yeah, you got to have a routine. You got to have, yeah, you have to learn Torah at least every day. Even if you're not learning in class for yourself, on the bus, on the train, wherever you're going. Commute, take a book, take something, something, something. You have to have connection every day. Feeding your nishama. Your nishama needs food. The food for your eyes is great. Feels good, tastes good. But your neshama is starving. That's why we see all these people that are unconnected, right? The guy can have all the money in the world, right? But in, in one second, it's worthless to him because he does something stupid, right? He does acts of nonsense and it disappears. Why? Because it, it doesn't have value for him. It's not, it's not, there's no reason for life. They don't understand what they hear. They don't understand what they're doing. The Pasuk says he's supposed to make the Aaron. I'll finish with this. The Aaron out of Aseshitim. Aseshitim, all the most of the utensils are made out of Aseshitim, and you cover them with, with gold. The, the Aron was made out of, the Gemara says, out of um, three layers. It was a gold box that they put inside of the gold box was a wood box, and then inside the wood box, another gold box. So it was surrounded by two gold boxes. In the middle was this wood called Aseshitim. Uh, maybe I'll give two more. First about the boxes. About this gold on the inside, gold on the outside. Why? Why do it need to be gold inside and gold outside? Why can't the Aron just have a gold outside and put the Aron inside the, the, was the wood box and then you put the Aron the Torah inside and then you cover cover with the gold. No one, no one knows what's inside. Can't see. You're not allowed to take the cover off anyway. So what's the difference? Why does it have to be gold inside and gold outside? Right? So the Mepharshim say that because what's again inside the Aron... What's inside the Aaron is the, uh, the Torah. And for a person to be able to hold the Torah, the inside has to be like the outside. Okay? Which means that your, yes, your personality, your, your internal feelings have to be the, what you show on the outside. You can't be pious on the outside and be sketch on the inside. You want to be a real Talmud Chacham, you want to be a real Jew, then you have to have Tocho Kibaro, the inside has to be like the outside. You can't just be outside only, and then when the going's looking, you know, okay, you could do what you want, and when no one's in the office and not shufa, you could do what you want. But when I come to shul, I'm just like this, and I pray, and they shoots me, I'm a sadiq, look at me, I'm the sadiq, yeah? But you know, I'm a big sketch, right? That's not where the Torah is going to be housed. The Torah is to be housed in a place that's inside and outside the same. The Gemara says in the times of the uh, Rabban Gamliel, the famous story of the Rabban Gamliel, the Bioshua, they had a fight, Rabban Gamliel was the Nasi. 
And uh, the rabbis decided that uh, what Rabban Gamaliel did wasn't improper. They didn't give enough kavod to Rabbi Yoshua. They want to just they want to depose him. They want to bring him down. They want to make somebody else the, the uh, nasi. Uh, they they appointed appointed Rabbi Azav and Azariah. Okay. And uh, the Gemara says that Rabban Gamaliel had a rule. He used to have a guard at the Beit Hamidrash. Okay. And he says anyone any student that wants to come learn Torah, if his inside not like his outside, we don't let him in the Beit Hamidrash. Door's locked. There's a guard there. Tocho has to be kibaro. When Rabbi Azab and Azayah became the uh, Nasi, they removed the guards. The first thing he did, he removed the guards and he let everybody come to the Beit HaMidrash. When I says that day, they had to add benches into the Beit HaMidrash. Machlok had 400 benches, 700 benches, whatever it was. Rabban Gamliel felt terrible. He felt terrible. He said, wow, maybe I'm holding back Torah from Am Yisrael. Rabban Gamliel had a shita. He says, listen, we want to teach Torah to the cream of the crop. You better be 100%. You better be perfect and then we'll teach you Torah. Rabbi Azariah says, no, I have a different shita. The Torah will make you perfect. You could be imperfect. You're going to come in, and you're going to learn, and even though you start Shalol Lishma, you'll come to Lishma eventually, if, you, if you're going to learn enough, the Torah will purify you, and the Torah will fix you, the Torah will, will take care of you. So, look at what they did. The question is like this. Rabban Gamliel had a guard at the door. And the guard's job was to stop the people that's outside was not the same as the inside. Thank you. How does the God know? How does he know? How does he know what the guy's... Th- on the outside, guy looks like a, looks like he's wearing the... He's got the garb. He's got the good going. He's got that black hat on. He's got it on. He looks good. Right? How does he know not to let the guy in? Listen to what they said. The guard was standing door at the door, and the door was locked for everybody. Nobody was allowed in. So how do you know if the guy who's trying to get, to get in is real or not? The guy who starts looking around the back door to look for another way to get in, the guy who's trying to get in from the underneath the fence, the guy who's trying to fight his way in no matter what, that's the guy that's the inside is the same as the outside. The other guy who walks up and sees the door's locked, no, fulfill my obligation. I tried to get in. Oh, it was locked. I'll go home now. I'm good. Put my feet up on the couch. I'll see you later. I'm done. That guy is the sketch guy. The guy who's trying to get in no matter what, who's still looking for a way in, Going to climb on the roof, going to come from the back door, he's going to bribe the bouncer at the door, he's going to do whatever he's got to do to get inside. That's the guy that you know that that's the guy that's the real guy. That's the real guy. So the question now becomes okay, well, which one are we? Are we the guy that's real or the guy that's sketch? When it starts snowing out and I don't go to shul, right? I'm just because, oh, I tried. I woke up, I looked at the window, I got up, Hashem, but it was snowing. Sorry, no, no, I'll go back to bed now. I'm good. Oh no, I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning with my shovel and I cleaned out the car and I made sure of this and I went anyway. So which one are you going to be? You're going to be you want to, if you want, to re- you want to get Torah, you want to be able to hold the Torah, you better be the guy that's the inside and the outside. Because the other way doesn't work. It's a sketch. You sketch, they lock you out. You can't come in. You want to get in? You got to fight your way in. If you fight your way in, so then you tell me you're real. You're a real guy? Okay, you could come in. You're going to get you're going to get Torah, you're going to learn Torah, you're going to keep, keep the Torah. The other guy, maybe he went to class. One time he actually got in because it was sunny out and it was very comfortable, so he got the shul. But what he got, he's going to forget it because it's not important to him. If, you're not, if it's not important to you, you're not going to keep it. If it's important to you and you make your efforts, Torah is going to stay by you. Amen.